Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter, Do Death. How are you this week? Good. Yeah, I'm pretty tired yeah. tonight. Me and Rich went to like an inflatable aqua water park thing earlier, Brilliant. which is really good fun. But um, yeah, knackered tonight. But we can't tell Toby anything about it because he'll be like devastated that he couldn't go. Even he's <laughs> definitely not old enough. But you did not see the pictures on your face. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily he doesn't have his own Facebook account, so <laughs> I think they'll be okay. In seven How years' time, we'll say, "What yeah. did you do?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll take it home by then. It'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, yeah, had a reasonably good week. I'm excited to have a few days off of work just as a break because of um, COVID and people not going anywhere and stuff. The same happened last year, really. Everyone yeah. sort of accumulated an awful lot of holidays from work. Mm. And um, so I've got to start taking some. What, so, what a position to be in. <laughs> I know. Um yeah, just the trouble is having a week off work makes it really difficult to go yeah. back. The scourge of modern work is the mm-hmm. email inbox. Yeah, I think I've today was the closest to. I've had to a day off for a very long time, probably since I went self-employed. So yeah. I still check my emails several times um, and reply to some inquiries, but it's probably as close to a day off as I've come for a really long time, <laughs> including weekends. Yeah, any news in the world of true crime phoebe yes i'm sure there is <laughs> <laughs> well there's some news today that came out by the time this podcast goes out it'll be old news but um the murderer of sarah everard has pleaded guilty i guess if he's pled guilty then it puts the end to it for her family essentially they haven't got to sit through a massive trial, trial. But... Yeah. yeah yeah apparently he's going to be sentenced in september wayne cousins okay. Yeah. He actually is a Metropolitan Police Officer. Crazy. And Firearms Officer. Yeah, they said a little bit on the news earlier about what he actually did on the lead-up to her abduction and then her body being found, but there's no detail about what he actually did. Right, okay. Her. Yeah, when will find that out? I don't know if we ever will. It's up to him to, to tell. Yeah, maybe that's why he pled guilty, so that he that didn't have to go to trial. Yeah, it could be. So he didn't have to show the evidence that. come out. But uh, it must have been fairly well planned whether or not he meant to actually abduct her specifically or any woman. But right, okay. um, in the days beforehand, he'd decently exposed himself in a fast food shop oh, okay. and things like that. And he actually, several days before the abduction, he he, he booked a hire car which he, oh, collect- okay. he collected on the day that Sarah went missing yeah. and was using it, I suppose, just to drive around. And there's CCTV footage of the car being parked on a pavement. Right, okay. Two people standing next to it. And then they could trace the car because they knew the car registration number. And they that's how they trace it to Kent, I think, through this car registration oh, number. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, where he hid her was so far in the middle of... Yeah. Sort of the countryside that it took police a week to actually find her remains. Yeah. Um, but what happened in between time? Don't know. He re- no. he returned the car the next day. Okay. So um, whatever he did was planned Quite, and quick, yeah. I would, I would yeah. have thought. So. But as you say, there won't have to be a trial for the family to no. live through. Another piece of news that came to my attention, 
Our friends over in America recently celebrated a 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. Happy belated Happy 4th. Independence Day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a statistic came out that uh, was on the news to say that over that weekend, 150 people had been killed in what amounted to about 400 shootings over that weekend, which is greater than any other weekend in 2021 so far. And that 2020 was a high year for shootings, Mm. but 2021 looks to be uh, exceeding that. What is it that happens? It's crazy, isn't it? To our listeners in America, we find it rather strange that... um, so many people have guns and so many people seem able to use them with ease mm. to the point where I literally don't lives understand are it. taken. Yeah. I remember there was this statistic a few years ago and it was saying you're more likely to be killed by a toddler with a gun than you are by a terrorist because the amount of shootings that happen where children just pick up guns and play yeah. with them because they're their toys, or they see them lying around and all that sort of stuff. That absolutely terrifies me. Yeah. But... Why are the guns anyway? <laughs> I literally don't understand it. Yeah. We, we know it's in the Constitution, the mm. right to bear arms. Forgive me if I've got the wording wrong, but <laughs> we know the gist of it, I think. But uh, yeah, and, and just going back to, to the statistics, the, the number of mass shootings, where mass shooting yeah. is defined as being... Is it more um, than four? More than four. So is that five and over people killed in any one incident? It's, and um, it's, it's, it's shot or killed so it's not just killed so a mass shooting is when oh, okay. four more people have been shot whether shot. Been, whether they've been killed or not right oh okay well maybe that's not quite so bad but there's an average of I mean, two... right <laughs> <laughs> four people dying. being yeah but still, they're still being shot <laughs> i don't know what sort of like level of um you know okay <laughs> injuries happened here yeah four or more people being shot i would say is, is not a good thing think about the last time that four or more people were shot in the uk yeah doesn't happen very often no for a reason people can get hold of guns there are legitimate reasons for people to have guns i know people with guns Um, i know actually i'll rephrase that i know one person with a gun (laughs) he shoots game to raw feed his dogs okay well fair enough but it's not guns that actually kill people is it it's the people People. that kill people guns don't go around firing themselves no that's very true it's crazy. But, when you sent me that story, I was like, what? <laughs> I know. So we do find it quite shocking. But uh, th- there we go. We respect your rights to um, to live by your constitution. Absolutely. America. But no, yeah. just about the statistic, was it two mass shootings a day on average this year so yeah. far? Yeah. 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 So, Every day. More than day. four people were being shot by one person. Twice. Anyway, sorry oh. to labour that yeah. point. There are two things that are not necessarily new news, one's very old news, two things that have like really kind of sat with me over the last couple of days. One is around this, um, the collapse in the um, building in Miami. And they've said there's still like 89 people missing. And they've said that there's no chance of anyone else being found alive. And would they be able to find people that were literally just like in their beds? Um, So people have literally just like gone to bed and then their complex had like just Collapse collapsed around them and blah, that's terrifying yeah and the other thing is that it's um the year anniversary of when naya rivera drowned um oh, and it? that really upset me when that happened last year 
because she'd got she'd taken a boat out on a lake with her son for like yeah. a nice day out and I was like that's absolutely something that I do with Toves like just go for like a day out or like go on an adventure or something like that and then she'd obviously got into some sort of trouble she drowned or she disappeared and then they found the boat a few hours later with him on it and then he was able to kind of say like oh yeah she put me on the boat and then she disappeared and then they found her a few days later wow but it was just horrific it was an awful awful thing and I can't believe it's been a year but being in being in a lake today <laughs> really made me think about bodies in the lake. I said to Rich, I was like, I can't stop thinking about bodies in the lake. He was like, you're really twisted. But <laughs> it, um, oh, yeah, no. it makes you think you wouldn't really want to be in there for such a long what time. What have I created? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was just thinking about that quite a lot over the last couple of days because yeah, obviously no, it wasn't that's... a murder, but it was a, it was a very sad thing that happened. It was a sad thing. This week, Phoebe, I'm going to tell you about Joachim Kroll. I think this is probably one of the most disturbing stories I've looked into. So listener discretion is advised. Now, Joachim Kroll was born on the 17th of April, 1933, in Hindenburg, which used to be part of East Germany, which is now part of Poland. Mm-hmm. Uh, my research comes from the big book of serial killers from Wikipedia and serialkillercentral.blogspot.com and there are discrepancies in some of the facts mainly around the number of siblings that he had um some of them say that Joachim was the sixth of nine children okay some say that he was just one of eight sons uh which could mean there was a sister a daughter in the family as well but nevertheless there was a large family that's a lot of a lot of children a lot of children yeah (laughs) he was a known bedwetter now whether that was a symptom of something else going on in his life or whether that was uh just a thing that he had a thing that he had we don't know but um a comment here is that that led to low self-esteem okay but it's a bit chicken and egg isn't it would you have low self-esteem and therefore wet the bed or <laughs> mm. and and why bedwetting seems to be such a feature and why it's even recorded yeah. at such an early age and and sort of sticks with someone for so long uh don't know but uh, is it part of that triad yeah it is yeah mm. the mcdonald triad it's bedwetting injuring a pet and arson okay uh, now his father was captured in world war Two and held as a prisoner of war and was okay. later killed in world war Two. oh wow so after the war, uh, his family, so all his brothers and possibly sister and his mother, moved to North Rhine-Westphalia, which was in Germany. They were a poor family. They struggled, as you could imagine, single yeah. mother with all those children. Eight children, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but Joachim did go to school, but he didn't do very well. Apparently he did five years of school, oh. of various... Uh, years within the school system but he ended up leaving at quite a young age to work on the family farm because they just needed the labor they couldn't afford to go to school they needed to work um as a result of i suppose the effects of the war the -hmm. effects of being a large poor family the effects of having to leave school early and and work he, he didn't mature like most people did he was relatively uneducated 
he had great difficulty making relationships with people his own age. Um, and it was, it's reported that he had an IQ of 76. Wow. Okay. Which apparently is quite low. That's really low. <laughs> um, and in several reports, they describe him as being a retard. Okay. I was going to say, isn't that near the number for like special needs, like the cutoff for kind of like special yeah, needs? Yeah, I, I think, think it probably would have been. Yeah. And, mm. and in any other time, maybe he would have got yeah. some sort of help with that. But um, yes. Not in 1940s Germany. Not in 1940s Germany, just after the war. No. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't have a particularly good start in life. Okay. Now, he lived at home with his mother until 1955 when he would have been 22 when his mother died Uh, he was very close to his mother and it was a big event in his life a huge loss to him he was very very dependent because he was still mentally a child yeah nevertheless he moved to Duisburg in Germany and found himself a job as a toilet attendant okay which is actually for a company called Manisman, which was a multinational pipe manufacturer in okay. in Germany. So it was part of a part of a factory complex. But he got to see lots of people. But he was always thought of being, you know, he was the simpleton, and he was what we might somewhat disrespectfully these days say he was a bit special, perhaps. Okay. But he did his job. He got on with it. But. In a childlike fashion, I, I think you can okay. probably imagine the sort of thing. He probably did quite well to actually get himself a job. Yeah, yeah. And he was living in an apartment on his own. Yeah. And uh, and he was known around town. And uh, he was known, again, these descriptions aren't very kind. They you know, uh, described as the village idiot and the, okay. uh, the sort of the person around town that people knew of. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, the creepy thing, though, is that living in Duisburg in his own apartment and living his fairly simple life, he seemed to get on very well with children. Okay. Possibly because he was of a similar mental age. He could relate to them. Um, And remember, it was earlier commented that he had difficulty forming relationships with people of his own age, but he could really relate to children um in his apartment he had quite a lot of toys and dolls and children would come to his place and play which these days you'd think <laughs> what <laughs> it's a bit of a red flag isn't it yeah it's a red flag yeah but he'd have sweets for them and he'd have a good time with them and yeah they all went home quite happily so okay. no harm happened really but one of the toys that he had which i don't think he would have shared with the children was a rubber doll. Oh, okay. Which, um, yeah, which was very much an adult toy, shall we? Yeah. Say. Yeah. Now, around about this time, not long after his mother died and that he moved away, he did actually commit his first murder. Oh, wow, okay. So even while living this life as the toilet attendant and having these children around and playing toys with them, he was already a murderer. He would go on to murder a total of 14 people between 1955 and 1976. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time. It's really spread out. Yeah, it is. He would target women and girls. 
his modus operandi was always broadly the same. He would he would stalk someone that he didn't necessarily know. He would attack them from behind very, very quickly, and he would strangle them very okay. quickly. Yeah. Till they were dead. So he, he he struck and killed them very quickly. He would then strip them of their clothes and have sex with their dead bodies. Oof. So he was certainly a, a necrophile. Yeah. Uh, as well as a murderer. Quite often, he would then take a knife and cut slices of their flesh Ooh. from their thighs or their buttocks and take those bits of flesh home to his apartment where he would cook them and Ooh. eat them. Nice. Yeah. And then after he'd done that, on the high of having committed this rather gruesome crime, he would then have sex with his rubber doll. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that was that was what he did. Pretty much always the same every time. So by this time, in his early 20s, he'd already become a murderer, a necrophile, and a cannibal. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, this spanned, as we pointed out just now, 21 years. And some of his victims were, yeah, different in, in some respects, although the general modus operandi was the same. Uh, some of them had different uh, events around them. So the first one was Ermgard Strell, who was 19. Okay. She, she was raped, stabbed to death, and disemboweled, and she was found in a barn. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> just abandoned in a barn. His next victim in 1956 was Erica Schuletter. Now, she was only 12. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, strangled. She wasn't one of the children who was coming around and playing at his apartment? I don't believe so. I don't have any other names, and there's okay. nothing here that would, would say that he, he knew any of them. Is there anything about no. why he decided to start killing people, or did one day he just decided that he wanted to kill people? Was there any record of him doing anything else before? Like, was he raping people or stealing stuff? Did it escalate or did it literally work one day he just started killing people? Yeah, it's not very clear. I mean, his first murder took place just three weeks after the death of his mother. Right, okay. Now, whether that was a trigger, um, the, the, the information I have here just says that he suffered a psychotic episode which caused him to yeah. want to okay. kill. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the, the trauma of his mom dying and his immature brain, maybe that just made him snap. Uh, that that could well be the case, uh, given his IQ yeah. situation. Uh, I, I don't know if there are any other. There's, there's no record of him having killed the family pet or... No, or any other or crimes before this. No, no. Robberies or rapes or anything that, like, escalated. Nope. He was nope. sort of straight in at the top. Straight in, yeah. Maybe it's fat that he found himself with no longer the guardianship of his parent yeah. with him anymore, which suddenly unleashed something yeah. in him. And Maybe, he took yeah. that to the extreme of living out these yeah. fantasies. Maybe he'd had fantasies about... Yeah. I mean, I guess he did have a rubber doll, didn't he? Which he did, is... yeah, which would imply that, I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it, that, that sex is a motive within most of these. Yeah. 
But he didn't go around kind of raping people to start with and then no. move to murder. He just went straight in it. Straight in. Let's straight in at and yeah. sit with their body. And let's eat them as well over there. Yeah. His third victim was in June 1959, Clara Frieda Tesma. She was 24. Uh, she was murdered in the meadows of the Rhine near Rheinhausen. Wow. Now, in that case, a mechanic, Heinrich Ott, was arrested for the crime. Oh, that's interesting. And as a result of that, Heinrich Ott actually hanged himself in jail. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it, this starts to lead to all sorts of questions about how did he get away with it? How did... Yeah. How did Jog, how did Joachim get away with these murders for such a long time? And it's down to, well, they, they put it down to, I suppose, yeah, immature policing techniques at the time. They didn't have the records like we mm. do now. Certainly didn't have the forensic science and the uh, ability no. to track DNA and what have you as we do now. Um, but also there are other murders going on. Okay. In that area, at the same time, he wasn't the only murderer. <laughs> and I guess Eastern Germany was quite a busy place anyway. Like there was a lot going on in Eastern Germany at yeah. this time, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, and actually, murderers maybe weren't that high up the list of things to do. Like, and like you said, there's just one of many. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, and he was known as being this simpleton. Yeah. And it was thought that whoever committed these crimes must have been quite intelligent to right, that's interesting. get away with it and do it so swiftly yeah. and efficiently. And, and Not the first German serial killer we have talked about with that, no. those traits. No, but it's tragic that someone else was falsely accused yeah, of murder absolutely. who then yeah. went on to hang himself. The fourth victim, again, just a month later, July 1959, mm. Manuela Nod, she was 16, strangled, except with the he, dead body, and that was in the city park of Essen, and slices of flesh were carved from her buttocks and thighs, where presumably he took those back to his apartment to cook and eat them. Yep. The next was in April 1962, Petra Gies. Now, she was only 13. She was also raped and strangled. Uh, another person called Vinzez Korn was arrested and convicted of her oh, wow, okay. murder. What happened to him? I don't know whether he got released afterwards. I don't know that information, but again, someone else yeah. was taking the fall for it. Uh, taking the fall for it, exactly that, yeah. Another one in 1962 was Monica Tafel. She was only 12. Slices of flesh were carved from her buttocks. Now, someone else called Walter Quicker was arrested for the crime, but he was later released That's uh, good. for that, but was driven by neighbours to suicide. Oh, no. In October that same year, because I think oh uh, they just, they just uh, hounded him because they That's were awful. just convinced that someone else, had, this person had done it. Jeez. Third one in 1962, Barbara Bruder, again, 12. Now, she was abducted, but apparently her body was never found. Oh, okay. In that case. 1965. Now, this is an interesting one. In 1965, he killed his one and only male victim. Okay. Now, that was only because 
Herman Schmitz and his girlfriend, Marion Veen, were in a car down a okay. lover's lane <laughs> in Duisburg. Joachim stumbled across them in this lover's lane, presumably he was on the prowl for a victim. Mm-hmm. And what he actually did was he slashed the tires of the car. They were in. Now, the bloke in the car, Herman, yeah. heard the noise outside, wondered what was going on with his car, got out of the car to confront him and was stabbed oh, in, the, okay. in the chest. And he was killed. Now, Veen, though, the woman that was his intended target, did actually escape. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, whether or not she ever was able to provide any evidence, it's not clear. Maybe she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But that was the only male victim in all of this. Okay. And it wasn't because of the same reasons that he killed the other people. It was no, just he's because place he confronted. Time. Yeah, exactly that. Over a year later, September 1966, Ursula Rowling, 20, she was strangled in a park near Marl. Her boyfriend, Adolf Schickel, committed suicide after being falsely accused of her murder. Oh my God. Yeah. Again in 1966, uh, Iona Hark, she was only five. That. And she was raped and drowned in a ditch. Horrific. Yeah, and that is really where it starts to get very depraved. Bit of a gap then to 1969, Maria Hetgen. She was 61. From one extreme to another, she was raped and strangled. 1970, Juta Ran, 13, strangled, walking home from a train station. In her case, Peter Shea was arrested and eventually released. But he confessed to the crime in 1976 after being hounded by his neighbours. It's weird. Interesting use of the word neighbours. I wonder what that really means, the sort of the yeah. society around him, I suppose. But um, Yeah, people have... Yeah. Just two more. Um, so, yeah, that was in 1970 when Juta Ran was killed. Then he doesn't kill anybody then until 1976. Karin Topfer, she was 10 and she was strangled, raped. And um, yeah, he did the same thing. Awful. What he did. Now his final victim, the 3rd of July, 1976, Marion Ketter. She was only four. She was abducted nope. from the neighbourhood. Yeah, this is really awful, this. She was abducted from the neighbourhood and he took her back to his apartment. Okay. Now, in the case of Marion Ketter, this was his undoing and this is how he became detected. Okay. Because he took her back to his apartment, he actually yeah. cut her up and disemboweled her there. Right, okay. Around about the same time, Mm -hmm. A neighbour in his apartment block was complaining about the fact that the drains were blocked. And Joachim quite innocently said, guts, just one word, guts. Now, Marion Ketter must have come from the same sort of neighbourhood because police were doing door-to-door searches looking for her because she got missing. They came to the apartment and the neighbour told the police what 
Joachim had said to him about the drains being blocked. So they went to investigate and they called on Joachim in his apartment. When they entered his apartment, they found parts of Marion in the fridge. Oh, my God. And he was also in the process of cooking a part of her on the stove. He had disemboweled her and he had tried to flush her entrails down the toilet, which is basically what what had blocked all the drains. Oh, God. (sighs) That's difficult. Absolutely horrific. But why would you? But also, why would you think that you could flush stuff like that down the toilet? Especially being a laboratory cleaner, you'd yeah. <laughs> know better, wouldn't you? Sorry to make light of it, but yeah, it's um, it's pretty gruesome, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can only assume that his mental capacity just didn't yeah. kick in on that sort of thing, and. That's what led him to be really honest about why he thought the drains were blocked. Yeah. It's it's just because his gut's in the drains. Yeah. It's almost like it didn't, it almost sounds like he didn't really realise that he'd done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe in his mind, he didn't think he'd done anything wrong. It's, well, we'll come on to a little bit more that might give us a clue. Yeah, about all that. So anyway, after the police discovered all of this in in his apartment, he was immediately arrested and questioned, where that is when he actually admitted to the other 13 killings. Wow, okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, that raises questions, doesn't he? Did he know the names of all of these people? Yeah. Maybe he just said, oh, um, there was this young lady that I killed and left in a barn or there was this girl yeah. I, I left in a park or something like that and there was that guy that I stabbed down that lover's yeah. name and... yeah, yeah. now Kroll thought that now he'd been found out what would happen to him was that he would have a minor operation to correct the fact that he was killing people okay. and then be sent home again oh that wow okay what he thought would happen I mean, if that existed, that would be useful because if you could stop people from killing people, then that would save a lot of money in prisons. But sadly, no. (laughs) Again, it's quite a naive attitude. It's quite a naive thought process, isn't it? That, yeah, have this operation. Take this pill. Yeah. You won't be a killer anymore. It's, um, he did actually say, he claimed that he took flesh from his victims to save on grocery bills. I don't know if I could believe that, though. You'd need an awful lot to sustain. No, you it for... was, was Eastern Germany in the uh, 50s, <laughs> we're, we're back to um... we're back to yeah, looking at what Eastern Germany was, but still, yeah, we're, we're back to Carl Denker, aren't we? In the yeah, <laughs> that he's, part he's of the world uh, with the pickled human flesh, pork, sort of pickled, yeah, mm. yeah. But that was beginning of the night. Well, that was kind of World War One, wasn't it? It was actually, yeah. Well, it's World War One. It was tough all over then, I guess, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. So Joachim Kroll was arrested in 1976. As soon as they found the remains of Marion Ketter in his mm-hmm. apartment, he was held in custody 
there was no simple operation. His last murder was in 1976. His trial didn't start until 1981, five years to prepare for trial. The trial lasted for 151 days and ended in April 1982. He was actually charged with eight murders and one attempted murder, rather than all 14. But uh, as, as in so many cases, they just... Prosecutors tend to just home in on some that they're sure about getting a conviction for. And he was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to life imprisonment. Wow, okay. It's interesting that he wasn't given the death penalty, isn't it? Because of the horrific crimes. So Duisburg is very west of Germany. So that would have been in West Germany, where the death penalty there was abolished in... 1949. Whereas in East Germany, it did carry on to 1987, I think it was, when... Wow, okay. Not long before the Berlin Wall came down, I guess, when there was no West Eastern Wall. So, yeah, because he'd moved to the very west of Germany, he was under their jurisdiction. Yeah. um, Yeah, therefore Mm. was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, Ten years later, on the 1st of July, 1991, he actually suffered a heart attack and died while in prison. Oh, wow, okay in Rhinebeck, so he was just 58 when he died. Wow, okay. I was thinking he can't be very old. No. There's a lot of sad elements to that story. The fact that his start in life was so underprivileged uh, with coming, you know, he was growing up during the war in East Germany, which is now part of Poland. He then later moved to West Germany, but he was, yeah, underskilled for life, really. Yeah. Um, he didn't get that sort of support that he needed then, which in this case, and I'm sure it's an extreme case, it has to be an extreme case. He went yeah, because to... I'm sure there's plenty of people who must have had a really similar yeah. life's yeah. beginning because small families weren't a thing where they like the big families weren't rare. A lot of dads went off to war. A lot of dads got killed at war, yeah. leaving mums at home with yeah. single children. So I don't think that he would have been on his own there. And that was across the world, wasn't it? That wasn't yeah. just in Germany. No. No. So why did he take that path? Yeah. How, what was what was in his wiring? What was in his yeah. DNA that made him want to must, kill something and find satisfaction? Must be- yeah, because he wasn't just killing people. He was, like, really brutally murdering them, wasn't he? And, you he know, was murdering them just, and having you know, sex and Chopping them, them up and, yeah. Or, that's not just, oh, I just feel like killing somebody. That's yeah. there's something else. That there's, there's something deeper in there. Yeah, it? It, 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 the killing, the bodies um, evidently gave him a lot of sexual pleasure. That yeah. seems to be the well, clearly the primary motive. Yeah, but, maybe uh, he just didn't really understand it. Maybe that was the problem. I think that's part of the sadness. He yeah. didn't really understand how, essentially, how to get people to sleep with him. So, yeah. like his doll, he kind of, which was a lifeless object. He thought if he killed people, that's then he'd really have this like, lifeless object to sleep with. That's a really good point, yeah. So, then he uh, just went on to disembowel them. And children, I suppose, easy, easy targets. It makes you really question whether he did genuinely want to be friends with them or whether he had a more sinister motive with them all the way. Well, uh, I suspect he didn't know the difference. Yeah. I suspect he didn't know where the boundaries were. I feel like it almost feels like, yeah, he didn't know what his boundaries are and he doesn't, he didn't almost doesn't understand that he's doing something wrong. Yeah. Like the way that he kind of got caught, he wasn't trying to hide her. He wasn't trying to 
No. You know. It, it was just unusual that in that case he had taken her back to his apartment. Yeah. Or that the murder had happened in his apartment. Maybe that was an that. instance when, yeah, but he would have been a lot older then. He would have been in his 40s, 43 yeah. or something, when he'd have had a, a four-year-old girl. That That is really yeah. weird. Mm, no. Even in 1976. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, that story's got quite a lot of... Um, Quite a lot of features to it, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, quite a nasty one. Yeah, sad that he didn't get the support that he needed as a child, but no real excuse for going on to brutally murdering and raping and cannibalizing and cannibalizing. Yeah. Fourteen people. Yeah. Yeah, and how he got away with it for so long. Yeah. He's. Um... Yeah. Oh, anyway, there we go. That's well, the story of um, that's the story of Yakim Kroll. Yes. Um, thank you. I think for one of, one of Europe's that. more notorious serial killers. Mm. Yeah. The ironic thing with it is that, um, and I said this to you when you told me what you were going to do, um, is that I looked at it a few weeks ago and I thought, <laughs> oh no, I won't do that. It'd be too much for Dad. Then <laughs> you were like, oh, I'm going to do this. I, I, like, oh, I've, I've found it. Yeah, and there's some aspects of it that I found quite difficult. Especially yeah. some of the details, which I haven't gone into with, with the four-year-old. There are yeah, more details out so. there, but I'm not going to go into those. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if anybody wanted to learn more about Joachim mm. Kroll, you, there's plenty of information out there. I think there's there are television programs, there are films, mm. plenty of articles about it. So we've yeah. probably only skimmed the surface in our brief discussion yeah. about him. A good uh, jumping off point for people if they want to learn more yeah. about this incredibly depraved guy. Yeah, but uh, just be warned, some of the details can be quite harrowing. Well, um, thank you for telling me that awful story. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Again, thank you. Uh, <laughs> are, there, are there some pictures that you can share? Yeah, there are one or two of him, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. I don't think there are any of his victims as such I'll, I'll i'll look again further but there are some pictures of your kim himself which cool. i'll put onto our our social media i'll be putting them onto our instagram page which is at dad and daughter do death and on our facebook page dad and daughter do death if you'd like to contact us to discuss this case or any other you can contact us through dad and daughter do death at gmail.com you can also message us through facebook messenger and instagram uh, we had an interesting message yeah we did weeks ago yeah from um a relative of dr john bodkin adams who we talked about Oh, quite a few weeks ago now. Worth a listen if you haven't listened to that one. Kind of thought of essentially as the the, the predecessor to Harold Shipman, but yeah, I won't spoil it. But, but yeah, a a doctor with a lot of um, people who died yeah. around him in unexplained circumstances. So um, yeah, message from from a family member of, of his, um, which was really interesting to to hear her take on things. Yeah, so thank you, Ruth Adams, for reaching out to us and. Uh... It was it was good to hear from you. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was episode fourteen from the ninth of May. Uh, there you go. What feels like longer ago than that. That's two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> feels like a lot longer ago than that. Yeah, ninth of May, fourteen, episode fourteen. It was great to get that feedback. 
yeah definitely and, uh, really interesting to kind of hear her side of things absolutely yes indeed we're back behind our screens again this week we're not in person this week are we no this this time we're uh back back in our the comfort of our uh, respective <laughs> offices <laughs> back on zoom yes back thank on you zoom. Zoom. <laughs> yeah. apparently yeah, zoom you, is 10 years old this year really who knew yeah. Well, who knew? The thing that blows my mind is that Skype didn't sort shit out to like be the number one. What uh, happened? Yes. Yeah. What, what happened? Skype. Like, where did you go? You know, for years it was Skype, and then yeah, Skype, it... Skype, Skype, and then just at the pivotal moment, it just fell out of the race. <laughs> yeah. 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 RIP yeah. Skype. <laughs> Zoom are rubbing their hands with glee. I'm sure. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, on that thought, we'll Zoom again next week. Yes, you will do. (laughs) And I will find another case for you to tell you next time. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. So uh, join us next time when once again, Dad and daughter do death.